0: Good afternoon
1: and welcome. I thought we had heard the last of the Cotter family. Omar Cotter is apparently living quietly in Edmonton on the $10.5 million he received from the Liberal government. His older sister, Zainab, she was always the most outspoken about her terrorist sympathizer views. Her support of the 9-11 attacks, for instance, as well, as far as we knew, she was living in Georgia, the country Georgia, not the state, with her fourth husband. Well, she wants to come back here. Not clear whether that's ostensibly for a visit or to move back permanently, but She is on the no-fly list and was blocked from boarding a plane last February. So now she's taking the government to court over this, claiming that this violates her constitutional rights. Of course, she is a Canadian citizen, and uh, she also says there's no reason to suspect that she would ever actually engage in a terrorist act. So what do you think? Does she have a case? Should we take her off the no-fly list? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Barbara Jackman, who is Zainab Cotters' lawyer, also immigration lawyer Giddy Mammon, as well as Mubin Sheik, a former undercover operative for CSIS, who helped bring down the Toronto 18 and is now teaching at Seneca. Welcome to you all. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. Let's begin with uh, Barbara Jackman. Uh, What is the crux of your case? It's an appeal,
2: correct? It's an appeal. Uh, What happened is Zainab was uh, coming back to Canada with her children. She's the mother of six children, five of them still quite young. Uh, She was transiting through Europe. And uh she wasn't she had already flown into the Netherlands and she wasn't allowed to board a plane to Canada. I should note she's flown other places since she wasn't allowed to um to to come to Canada. So other states don't have uh a, a, her on their no fly list, although I expect the Americans do. The government's case goes back to what she said in two thousand and one um to the associations that she has as a result of her dad taking taking the family to Pakistan when she was 6 years old and raising them in Pakistan and uh you know there's nothing in it Libby that nothing in the allegations that I could see that shows any kind of current concern about her um She's tried to, I mean, what she's been over the last number of years is a mom raising kids. They're all Canadian citizens. They're all in Canada, and they've been separated from her because of this.
1: Okay. Uh, Giddy, what's your take on this?
3: Well, you know, I I take uh, constitutional rights very seriously, and the Charter is very, very clear. These are fundamental rights, and Canadian citizens have the right to enter and remain and live in Canada. Uh, that's what it says. And if you uh, want to infringe on those rights, uh, you know, uh, you can, but it has to be reasonable. And in this situation, we have someone who's not a very popular figure in the Canadian society. There's absolutely no question about that. But you can't hide the fact that she's a Canadian citizen. And if we're going to deny the right, uh, constitutional right to return to Canada, then there should be some sort of a hearing. She should have some sort of opportunity to see the allegations that are being made against her. We're a society that we uh, deny people rights and uh, we, we find people, we imprison people on the basis of evidence. And often in these situations, the evidence is either hidden or vague, and it's like uh, jello on the wall. It's very hard to nail and to attack it properly because you're just not being given a uh, proper disclosure. And I think that's why Barb uh, has no choice but to go to the federal court and try to get her hands on whatever evidence she can, and try to attack it and get her clients off of that list.
1: Mubeen,
4: what's your view of this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a legal issue at this point, so I would, all, of course, defer to my lawyer colleagues here. Um, remember, you know, being added to the no-fly list is, uh, well, one of the explanations that's been given or descriptions, at least in the U.S. anyway, is, you know, it's, uh, you You don't know how you got on it, and it's pretty much impossible to get off of it. And, and you know, people are usually stuck in this space. I mean, even in Canada, we do have some issues when it comes to the no-fly list in general. You know, it could be from the U.S. side. Sometimes the U.S. will, you know, basically just tell us, put this person or this name on a list. Uh, and then there are, you know, there are problems with it, of course. I mean, in Canada anyway, we have, we've had... Even children put on that no-fly list. They,
1: there apparently have been uh, very recent changes to prevent that. Um, there are cases of, of children being put on children who have uh, very common names. Uh, but anyway, yes, go ahead. So, uh, so yeah.
4: Just I'm just trying to illustrate it, the the backdrop where there is this space where you're not really the information uh, the basis on which you're, a person is put on that list is not always uh, made available to uh, to the individual. And, of course, they have to make a legal challenge. So this is where we're at right now. But I would just add very quickly that I do believe it's more so an issue of uh, associations that she's obviously been having. Uh, there could be other issues. I mean, I remember way back in 2008, I think it was, um, the Globe and Mail at least reported uh, that a laptop was seized uh, was Zainab Cutter's laptop, and the Canadian Canadian authorities have this laptop, or you know, were in possession of it, and there were some, you know, they say problematic files on that laptop. So, so while it is true that she hasn't committed a criminal offense, that is not necessarily the test by which. Somebody has added to that
1: list. Well, yeah, I mean, and I'd like to point out, I mean, obviously it's a very, very different case, but the uh, Terrorist Act in France uh, just... Last week, that terrible, uh, terrible terrorist act in Nice where three people were killed. Well, the French government has apparently apologized because they were warned about this guy. And one of the things that happened was that he, he went through de-radicalization and kind of faked it. Uh, they had been convinced uh, he was flagged as somebody with extremist views, and, and uh, he went through some kind of de-radicalization process, and, and uh, the authorities were convinced that he was fine, but he wasn't. I mean, you know...
2: Um, no, Libby, I, I really think you have to... You can't take one case as an example and say, therefore, it's okay to do this and to trample on people's rights. She has six children. Okay. Five of them under, like under 10. And were they they all born in Canada? There's no track record whatsoever of her engaging in violence anywhere. And what Canada, I think it's pettiness on the part of Canada. I think they didn't like what she said. They didn't like the fact that her dad took them all over there and the whole family was raised there. And they, and so they're just, Giving her a hard time. Like, I, I honestly, a court's going to have to decide because we haven't seen the secret evidence. Giddy's right. One of the reasons to go to court is to actually get some independent person to look at what they have in secret. Because certainly there's nothing public here that would indicate this woman is going to take any action against anybody to harm anyone.
1: Nothing. But uh, in general, uh, when extremes when extremists are tracked, and if there is that kind of material, as uh, Mubin was pointing out, on their computers, uh, you know that's that's where security forces do take some action. But is that what you want to see, Barb?
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, it wasn't her computer. Like well, you know, that's the thing about all this is that there's these suggestions going around we haven't seen the evidence who knows what's going on but she it wasn't her computer from what i understand
1: uh the report said it was her computer but
2: and that's a report yeah. it's not evidence in a, a court of law from anybody who knows mm-hmm. uh, she's
1: been living in georgia is that right she's been she was living
2: in georgia yeah and does she want to come back here
1: uh with her husband or just with her children
2: i think they they all want to come back as a family
1: uh-huh uh uh-huh. settle
2: down. Oh, and, and move here. Yeah. Why she's a third generation Canadian. Mm. Well She's not an immigrant, Libby.
1: No, I know she's not an immigrant, but uh uh she was raised in Pakistan in a terrorist family she didn't choose to do that. Absolutely. Uh, Giddy, um, what do you see coming out of this? Uh, first of all, uh, is, is whatever evidence there is, is this going to be public or can it be sealed?
3: Well, the court is going to have uh, the right to review that evidence and see what it's willing to make available. Um, and uh, there is no doubt that a substantial part is likely to be kept or, uh, or, or shielded from Barb and, and her clients. Uh, and maybe a summary might be given. Uh, but this, in, in my view, is not a way that we in a democracy ought to function. If uh, this woman is dangerous to society, uh, someone should produce the evidence and prosecute her and put her in jail. And we have provisions in the Canadian Criminal Code for people who are dangerous to society, and we have ways of dealing with that. But to uh, simply go to the airport, for Canadian citizens to show up at an airport and find out that they cannot go to their country of citizenship or their country of birth, is a shocking way for democracy uh, to behave. Um, They could notify her, listen... Uh, We've just put you on the list, and you have an opportunity to have a hearing. Uh, But, uh, you know, it can't be on Canadian soil, something. But you just find yourself on a list when you show up at the airport. And the system is so bad that the government is now spending, uh, I think, upwards of $80 million to fix the no-fly list. Because this list can't tell the difference between an adult who's a threat to Canada and a 10-year-old child uh, who's traveling uh, to go play in a hockey game. So uh, this needs some work. Uh, I understand where the, um, the sentiment comes from. I mean, we, we had a traumatic experience on 9-11, uh, but we're past that, and we can't live in that world. We simply have to give Canadian citizens the right to live here and honor that commitment unless there is something tangible that they've done to, uh, to deprive them of that right.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting, and I want to bring Mubin into this. You know, you say that we have legal means to deal with people who are dangerous. But generally speaking, whether it's a, a terrorist matter or a criminal matter, uh, you can't really prevent it. It, it. The means we have is only after there has been a crime.
2: That you uh, know of. Pardon? That you know of.
1: That, that I, that I know of. So, so I guess the question is, where's the balance? Because when it comes to terrorism, which is a threat, uh, it, the work has to be done by the intelligence community and, and by its nature, it is not open and above board. Mubin, where, where is the balance? I mean, should we all know exactly what evidence there is against Zainab Qadir?
4: Yeah, this, I mean, was something that we dealt with with the security certificates. Uh, if you remember those. A number of individuals were kept on that based on secret intelligence and basically jailed indefinitely. And the Supreme Court did not like that at all. And rightfully so. I mean, you know, I uh, definitely pro-intelligence type, uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I echo what my friends are saying, that certainly there needs to be a legal uh, process available legal recourse available, especially to, you know, a Canadian, I mean, forget about if it's an immigration matter, let's just stick to, I mean, she is a Canadian citizen. I I mean, she's not a good person, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, she's a a terrorist sympathizer, at least. Um, And, but it's a, it's a kind of a, I mean, how do you establish, for example, under this, uh, you know, Secure Air Travel Act, uh, saying that she, you know there's reasonable grounds to suspect that she would threaten you know transportation security which I don't believe that for a second or travel to commit a terrorism offense and then link to that such as participation funding or recruitment for terrorist activities so there there should be some evidence to this effect even if it's just intelligence quote unquote meaning let's say the Canadians were told by the Americans that listen we picked up signals uh, interception and, you know, Zainab is talking to people in Georgia who are not exactly uh, upstanding citizens, right? So that that could be the thing. But again, could be maybe, you know, this is something that needs to be really uh, explored and, and exposed in court.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Daryl in Toronto. Hello, Daryl.
4: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Fine, thanks. Go ahead.
4: Uh, I was just wondering, so- she's on the no-fly list. Is that the same as not being allowed into the country? If she showed up by water or land uh, under normal conditions other than COVID, would, would she be allowed in? And then the question is flying a light or a privilege? Uh,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll let one of the lawyers answer that. Okay. I was wondering the same thing. Does that mean if we weren't under COVID, would she be able to drive in?
2: Well, she'd have to drive from somewhere. Um, She's likely on the U.S. no-fly list. For sure. Because Canada and the U.S., um, well, actually, the U.S. has more people on their list than Canada. And what we found with a lot of Canadians that have been wrongly suspected of ties to terrorism, um, that they're all on the the U.S. no-fly list, too. So it's a question of how she gets into Canada. I mean, she could take a rowboat. Or a boat, probably. But, but that's- would she be would she be able to get through a, a land border point? She's a, she has the right to come into Canada. Of course, she could come into Canada if she got here. She'd have to take a boat here. That's the only way she'd get to Canada. Oh, okay.
1: So I guess the answer is yes. Uh, if she could figure out a way in here, she could get here, Daryl.
2: Okay. I mean, one
4: person was talking; it was against her, you know, constitutional rights not to be allowed into the country. And it seems to me that's a different issue.
2: No, but but the thing is, Daryl. I mean, how do people come to Canada mostly by air, unless they're coming from the states? You cut out the states, and how do you get to Canada? I mean, it's it's and her kids all flew to Canada without her.
4: Okay, well that goes back to the question of is is being able to board an airline is that a, a right or is that a privilege?
2: No, I think I think in con- a court would have to decide that if it ever came down to it. But I think in context. That is how people come to Canada.
1: Yeah, though, though airlines uh, throw people off planes all the time. Anyway, Daryl, thanks for your call. Uh, we are running out of time on this. So um, where does this stand, Barb? What happens next? Well, the, the
2: government has to provide the record to the court. I expect part of it will be secret. And um, then the court will have to review it and decide what information we can be given. And... Uh, Zainab will have the opportunity to um, reply to that, although at the moment it's from outside of Canada because she's not allowed to fly back in. Hmm.
1: Okay, well, uh, please keep us updated. Uh, Very interesting case. Thank you very much for joining us, Barbara Jackman, Giddy Mammon, and Mubeen Sheikh.
0: Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.